All right, you guys have a Bible. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. And uh, we, we've entitled this sermon series um, a letter about Jesus, from Jesus about Jesus to churches in crisis, which is oftentimes what I think our world is in crisis most of the time these days. And But we've also started off with this prayer, and I'm going to ask you guys to read it in just a second, but, um, but this is because we want to remember that is in the midst of all the chaos and confusion about all the different translations and different uh, texts in Revelation, like this prayer is meant to just really center us on Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that uh, he's never changing, that is, as some of the scenes in Revelation have, have been scary and uh, uh, and some have been glorious, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we're blessed for being able to read this, hear this, and hopefully keep the words that Jesus is trying to speak to us. And, and so will you guys please pray this prayer with me, and then we'll uh, dive right in. I'll read it, and then we'll, we'll get going. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its images, and not received its marks on their foreheads or their hands. They came, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priest of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Okay, so as it stands in Revelation right now, uh, or as it stands for us right now, we are Christians who already believe that Jesus is king. We believe that he's king of kings. We believe that he's Lord of lords. And we believe that um, as followers of Christ, that Jesus is worth giving up all the world's riches or prestige or power just to follow him in our daily lives. And in, it's like as in Jesus, we found the, worth, the one worth giving everything up for and just simply following him. So as Christians, we strive to follow Jesus with um, not just in word or in thought, but with our entire life. And that we long for the day and hold on to the hope that when uh, and we ask Jesus that he will come back soon because we believe that he will, just like his, as he's said here, that he will come back. And yet, at, at the same time, like none of us, I, I know all of us here well enough to say none of us do this perfectly. But what Revelation is showing us is the, the fullness of what we received in faith. What we believe in faith is going to happen. We believe by faith, not by sight. Right now, our world doesn't look like Jesus is Lord. I mean, not if you pay attention to the news with all the murder, the deceit, the corruption, the death, let alone uh, the sins of the world or your own sin in your own life. It's hard to imagine, if we really think about it, it's hard to imagine what a world where Jesus is Lord over all and there's no effects of sin in this world would actually look like. But we know 
And we believe that one day, uh, a day is coming when sin and all its fruits, lies and all they do to deceive us will be locked up and not allowed to have its effects on the world. Praise be to God, may that day come today. Um, We long for that day and hold on to the hope of that day. And that's why we ask for Jesus to come back soon. So that day may hasten. And so for us, we strive to live by faith and hope. We strive to show the truth of Jesus' lordship over our own life in our, in our everyday walk. And again, we don't do this perfectly, but we strive. We attempt to walk closer with Jesus each and every day. We give up our own desires to allow Jesus to have his way with us. And we, in essence, we strive to see Jesus as king of kings with all our hearts, our minds, and our souls. And we strive to reign with Jesus as well, as this text would say. Like those in this verse, it says, I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast and its images and had not received its marks on their foreheads or hands. They come to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Like, if I'm being honest, I'd rather not be one of the ones that get beheaded. I'm sure you guys would assume the same way. And I hope and pray that we will not worship the beast or the idols of this world, that we won't fall prey. But I know that if, if we're, um, for me, I'm not motivated by reigning with Christ. Quite honestly, that seems like a too much responsibility, like to reign with Christ on earth. It seems like a real daunting task. But if, but if it's with Jesus... If he will be our guide in the task, then that's what I desire, because at least we'll be with him. Just to be with him and worship him alone, we don't want to give in to the other ways of life. We want Jesus with all of our life. We want Jesus to actually be our life. We want to live and die with him uh, in this this world. And I, I think about it like this way. We want to eat everything we eat and every breath that we take to be his and for him in those things to be our everything. As, as I come to this scripture here in Revelation 20, uh, 4 through 6, it reminds me of uh, a few other scriptures. I'm going to read those. Another scripture that comes to mind when I think of this passage is 2 Timothy 2, 10 through 15. It says this, Therefore I endured everything for the sake of the elect. And I think about that because if you think about Revelations, what, what those saints would have just endured but that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good, only to, but only ruins hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed and rightly handling the word of truth. I love this because if we die, we also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. But if we are faithless, He is faithful. That's just who He is. And this is an encouragement, but it's also a warning at the same time. Much of the New Testament is urging us, begging us over and over repeatedly throughout is to hold on, to endure, 
to believe, to have hope. Revelation is written to give us hope in hard times. It aims, its aim is in part is that we might have faith to hold on when persecution comes. And we will never, no matter what, let go of Jesus in our lives. Or that we may never deny Jesus with our words or our lives, even to the point of death. I pray for us as a church that we might do our best to present ourselves uh, uh, to God as a work workman approved, work person approved, work woman approved. There you go, Angie. So work woman approved in all that we say and do in our lives, that we can um, that we can stand before God. And like, I always think about it this way. If like my life, life's movie is playing and I'm sitting next to Jesus, I won't have any of those cringe worthy moments going like, Oh God, just look away. I know it's about to happen that we won't have any of those moments, but we can sit there and be approved by Jesus. This scripture here in revelation is, is our aim that we will reign with Christ. It is something that we can look to and actually strive for in reigning with him. I, we'd love that in the here and now, as well as um, whatever is coming up next, but we don't want the persecution and beheading. Amen. We can say amen to that with wholehearted. We don't want anything like that, but if it comes down to it, this is the extent that we are willing to go to follow Jesus. This is the extent that we're willing to go. I, we don't get to think better of ourselves than we do of our Savior, Jesus, who for love's sake went to the cross to be crucified. He endured death. And if we have to do the same, we can believe that he will raise us like he rose from the dead himself. In easy, it's, I believe that this is kind of easy in words, and it's kind of a noble thought, but it is an idea that over and over and over again in the scriptures, it's trying to get into our heads and hearts because he knows, the scriptures know that it's, it's hard to actually do this. It's hard to avoid the temptations. It's hard. It's easy to want to avoid the pain than rather than go through something. But if we do that, if we give up Christ in the midst of our need for ease and, and, and a, a lack of, of pain, then we're at risk of avoiding reigning with Jesus. And that's what we're striving to do. There's another verse I think of when I think of Revelation 20, verse 4 through 6. And it's Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And it reminds us that as we follow Jesus, we get to count the cost. It isn't about all the grace and love we receive all the time. It is about those things. And those things are vastly important to us. We do receive those things. But when they get, when grace and love get into our lives, they change our lives. And we live differently because of those great gifts. We live differently because Jesus is in our lives, in our lives. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I, this is Paul, he's writing from a prison, he, he's writing about persecution, he knows a little bit about it. Therefore, a, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of, of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I find it interesting, one of the reasons why I think about this, uh, this, this week in particular, but this is what we've been talking about over the last few weeks in Revelation, is humility, the themes of humility and unity. Uh, and I believe these are themes that Revelation talks about or alludes to throughout the entire thing. 
Um, it, and that's a part of our striving to live a life worthy of the re- calling we've received. And I hope that my, my hope for for us is that we don't get discouraged as as we strive to follow Jesus. The truth is, is that just for we, uh, as Jim will say, I like Jim says I love Grace and Mercy Church because we all know that we're broken people and we need grace. This is a this is a am, am I right, Jim? Is this you that says that right? So, but. We know that we're going to miss the mark. We don't try to miss the mark. That's not what we're striving for. We know that we're not going to be perfect in this and that we're broken. But even in that brokenness, we admit that only Jesus can make us whole. Only Jesus can make us whole. The perfection that we are reliant on is not our own, but it's on Jesus' perfection. He is our perfection. And in that, we do our best to look as much like Him as we can. We don't need to get discouraged when we mess up. We simply get to keep walking with Jesus. He will be there because He is there in our lives day in and day out. His love and forgiveness, what do they do? They cover a multitude of sins. But that doesn't mean we keep on sinning just so we can get more. We get to they, This grace and this forgiveness get to serve as motivation to avoid the sins that we tend to fall into but we get to keep on striving, keep on working. One day, one day, we will live in a world where there is no sin. Amen? May that be soon. This is when we will rule with Jesus provided there's an if here that we hold on. And this is our aim, that we hold on. This scripture in Revelation provides us with a few helpful hints as we strive to follow Jesus. It's said it before, but it's worth repeating. They've told us before, but it's don't worship the beast or give in to its idols. Don't get the mark of the beast on your hand or your forehead. So I guess you can get it on your arm. I don't know what that is. No, don't get the mark of the beast, right? Or in other words, don't give in to evil schemes just to prove that we fit in. And all of these are way easier said than done, but Jesus did all these things as he has defeated the devil and all his evil schemes, and we get to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But here is how the worship of the beast plays out in its idols and its mark and stuff like that. So the beast, I believe that there will be a real beast in the future. I believe that there will be an actual beast that we are, that we are tempted or, or called to bow down and worship to and do its bidding. Um, and we are not to bow down to anything other than Jesus. Scriptures have been clear that we, our worship is not to be given to anyone else. We, are to worship, we aren't to worship worldly greatness or prestige or, or, or power uh, in a, a person. We are to worship God alone. And it, uh, this seems easy enough uh, that we can just avoid worshiping the beast. But what this looks like for us in the here and now is worship of government, right? And we see this all the time, even amongst our Christian brothers and sisters, believing that the government is the sole arbiter of truth and justice, that, that they know better than everyone else or don't know better than everyone else, depending on your political bent, right? But we have a uh, worship of celebrity where we can take the... The, the celebrities' views or the persons that we hold up, they don't even have to be an actual celebrity, that we can hold their views up as, as truth over against what Scripture would call us to or what the Holy Spirit's leading us in. Or even, I, I find, like the worship of corporation. 
And this is when a company or a product or something like that is more powerful than anything else on the planet. We get to look out in our day-to-day in this age and in the age to come because there is plenty that wants to supplant God as our object of primary worship. But then we also have the beast, but we also have its idols. And that's an idol is simply anything that tries to take the place of God in our life. This is often good things that are intended to be a gift and a benefit to us that end up consuming us. Take money, for example. It's not bad in in and of itself. It's actually, it can be a good thing. But if we have uh, little or we have much, we are to know that our sustenance and provision doesn't come from our own hands. It doesn't come from these dollars, but it comes from God. And we get to give Him all the credit, glory, and honor due His name for this gift. And then we get to be generous with the gift as God has been generous with us. What we don't do is allow the gift to be the object of our affection. Now, this could be money or power or personal influence. It could be food, a friend or a spouse or a child. This could be an idea even that we idolize. But we put nothing above Jesus as we strive to follow him. Nothing. We strive to make him our all in all. And when we realize our priorities are off, that's when we repent. We turn away from our our errant uh, uh, priorities and we turn to Jesus and cling to him for all that we are worth. As for the mark of the beast, if you have a credit card or the COVID vaccine, you're already failed in this department. So I'm sorry, right? You've already failed. Um, and of course, I'm kidding. We've covered this. Uh, we've covered this before, but I believe the mark of the beast will be something that you don't accidentally get. You're not going to be tricked into it like, oh, you got a credit card. Okay, mark of the beast. Um, and now, I don't know if I'm right or not. You guys know this. So, I mean, it could be. Who knows? But I don't think you accidentally get it. I think it's a deliberate act where you have to swear allegiance to some being or entity other than God so that your livelihood won't be affected. And in this, this, what this would speak to us is that we must not worry. It's God who provides. God is gracious and he's abundantly good with his graciousness. He wants us to have good things. And he doesn't want ill for us. But Jesus told us that we shouldn't worry about our clothes. Look at the flowers of the field. I clothe them. Or look at the sparrows. I feed them. How much more will I take care of you? He says that he will provide. We believe that he is the God of God, King of Kings. Like uh, he owns cattle on a thousand hill that he can take care of us. And we might not have everything we want, but God provides for all of our needs. And I know he has shown this to each and every one of us here over and over again. So our helpful hint is in, in enduring with Christ is that we don't put anything above Jesus. Amen? We don't put anything above Jesus and we don't worry, but we trust him for our provision. This is what we get to live out. It sounds simple in words and in thought, but it's it, the, the fact that this is repeated over and over and over again probably means that it isn't going to be easy, but yet we still strive for it. We still go for it. Jesus told us that we get to cast all our cares upon him. Amen. He has told us to unload our burdens and that he will carry them. Jesus has also left us the Holy Spirit as a gift to lead and guide us in this life. And we get to give all our stuff to Jesus. Emotional, physical, all all our baggage we get to give to Jesus. And yet, 
at the same time, we get to ask the Holy Spirit and expect the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in this life. And we get to listen and pay attention and obey. These are all good and excellent things. I pray that today's, uh, today's text and, and this, this message is an encouragement as well as a reminder and maybe even a rebuke if it's needed. I pray that this will encourage us to live for Jesus each and every day. That we live into the perfection that He alone can provide. I pray that we live into the reality that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. It's not just a thought or something we say, but it's something we're striving to live out in the here and now. He's, um, and I, I pray that it is uh, I pray that it is a reminder that we get to strive to reign with Jesus. This is a great gift that we get, that we live a life worthy of this calling that we've received, that we get to follow Jesus and Jesus alone in our lives. And uh, I think this, what we are searching for is not found in other rulers. It's not found in idols and our worries or our toilsome striving. What we are searching for is found in Jesus and we get to strive to make him our all in all. And we and may this serve as a rebuke if we have been neglecting to follow Jesus as Lord. This is what we get to be about as followers of Jesus. And may we strive to allow grace to cover our failings. And may we one day rule with Christ for this a thousand years and be uh, be blessed and share in the first resurrection. Jesus, I pray that we can come before you, that we can live our lives before you, that we can live a life worthy of the calling which we've received, that we won't mock your gifts, but we'll strive to follow them day in and day out. So Jesus, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.